This is the American Military Brit. Shedding light on the realities of military life. Now, here's your host, U.S. Air Force Staff Sergeant Christopher Clark. Welcome to the American Military Brit, a podcast where we're going to discuss different military stories from different perspectives, according to myself, as well as different guests I will have from several branches of the military. I feel like there's several different, I guess, thoughts or perspectives or myths, if you will, about military and what the military's like, how you have to be to be in the military. So I'd like to either bust those myths or in some cases with some people, it might just be confirming them because I do hear people talk about the military and and what it's like and whatnot who haven't experienced it and haven't been involved in those specific situations like I have and other people have. So it's important to tell the stories of what military life is actually like and to say say it how it is, basically. I mean, I had different thoughts and perspectives on what the military was like before I joined, and then I joined and I realized it wasn't even the case. So we're here to discuss that for this podcast. Let me first start by saying, please do not call me Staff Sergeant Christopher Clark. For this podcast, I'm trying to kind of develop a military to civilian mentality, if you will. So I don't want to make, I don't want it to be super, you know, uptight military vibe. I'd like it to be more casual. So, um, you know, I'm going to start by first introducing myself. I mean, my full name is Christopher Clark, at least first and last name. There's more, but I'm not going to go into all that. Uh, Most people do refer to me as Chris or call me Chris. I'm not sure why you'd want to call me by my full name, Christopher, but that's what you want to do, then go ahead. But just to get into how I joined the military and and whatnot, so I I was born in Las Vegas. Um, However, I did end up in England. I'm a military brat, so my dad was in the Air Force, and um, actually while he was in the Air Force, he met my mom, so... Um, They eventually split up and then uh, we ended up in England, which is where she's from. So how the whole military thing happened was I was kind of lost in life, I suppose, if you will. I was in England. I I lived in England for 16 years and and, uh, I was sort of lost at that point in life. And and I, I went and I you know, had all these different jobs and and they didn't really mean much. They weren't really giving me much meaning in life. And I just kind of thought, where was I going to go? I mean, prior to that, I did go to college um, from the age of about, I was 19 to 21. And then I dropped out, was doing all these nothing jobs. And I just thought, I don't know what I could do. Um, And I thought, okay, what would be a way to gain structure in life? And it came to me that I should probably just go and join the military and see what that's like. And I got that idea from my friend who he joined the army and he kind of told me about the whole, you know, military thing. And I thought, you know what, I'll look into that because at first you think the military is just, you know, you get shipped off to Iraq or Afghanistan and you just fight a war and stuff like that. But there's actually more to it. There's different jobs that you can do, admin positions, logistics, whatever you want to think of, sort of thing, financial jobs as well, different things like that, transportation. So I looked into it. And I initially was going to join the British Army. And then I looked, you know, my mom said to me, she said, well, you know, in case you forgot, you're American. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I could 
go move to America because I've always been a fan of, I've always loved America and I always did want to go back eventually. So I looked into the American Air Force. I was the American Army at first, but then I went to the Air Force because the Air Force has bases in England. And as you'll see later in my story, that comes into be a factor. So I joined the American Air Force and there was actually a recruiter who was there at uh, Milden Hall, um, RAF Milden Hall, which is over in, uh, it's like near Cambridge in uh, East Anglia is the area it's called in England. So I went over there, signed all the papers, did all the medical work that you have to do. And I, and I wound up joining and um, I went to do, I did intelligence, um, which is what I, the job I chose to do. It sounds cool, but it's really not, to be honest, which I'll explain throughout my, uh, my podcast journey here for my intro. But uh, yeah, it, it was uh, something I did just because my recruiter made it sound cool. You know, he made it sound like you were going to be, I was going to be James Bond or something, you know, and uh, it did not turn out that way. But uh, that's, a, that's a story for another section. The Air Force journey begins with going to San Antonio. It's called Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. So I flew from London all the way to San Antonio. I think I stopped off maybe in Dallas, I think it was, but uh, basically flew straight through and straight into the the, the depths of being uh, intense, into intense military training or intense Air Force training, if you will. Because I'm sure Marines are going to hear that and think, oh, this isn't intense training and all that different stuff. But uh, so fly over there, get to San Antonio, and I'm thinking, wow, this is a dream come true. I'm looking around. I'm like, wow, I'm in America. I'm going to be living in America from now on. And coming from Birmingham, England, that's uh, that's a dream come true to be in such a large place. And the weather was nice. It was uh, May, May 17th, I believe, 2011. And to look around and be like, oh, I'm in America. You see all the American stores, all the American restaurants and all that. It was all good. And then um, I'm walking around looking for where I have to go. And I see, you know, the the standard um, MTL, uh, military training leader. I hope that's what it stands for. Or military train MTI, sorry, mi- uh, military training instructor. MTL is a tech school thing, which I'll get to later. But I see the guy and I go over there and um, I believe I put I put my folder of stuff. I had like a folder of stuff that my recruiter gave me of like, you know, medical records and different types of paperwork on myself. And I put it on his desk and he uh, just yelled at me. He's like, get this, get this off my desk. And I'm just like, oh, crap. You know, I jump and I'm like, oh, geez, like this guy, (laughs) this guy just yelled at me. And little did I know that was a sign of things to come because obviously basic training is purely just people yelling at you so yeah we get to basic training we, we ride the bus there to Lackland and you get there and you're on the base and and Lackland's huge and you're thinking oh this is great you know this is amazing again like when I got to America but little did I know obviously we get the guy coming on the, the MTI coming on the bus screaming at us telling us to get off and you know everybody runs off the bus and gets in line and we you know we go into the the thing to do our in, in processing stuff and and, you know, you're, you're giving your paperwork out to different people. You don't know what's going on. You're just kind of running around thinking, what is going on here? And how, you know, this is my new life. And, you know, for anything new, it's going to be kind of a shock to the system, isn't it? Where you're just going to think, okay, I've got to, you know, kind of adapt to this, but this isn't what I'm typically used to and things of that nature. You know, you're not, you're not at home, you're not comfortable. And that's what basic training is all about, is making you uncomfortable, basically. So let's back up a little bit to... 
a, um, I wanted to back up to a story of when I was training to go into the Air Force. So I was intensely training, doing a lot of running. I'm not really a running type person, at least I wasn't back then. So I was running a lot and I developed an injury. I actually had, little did I know it was a stress fracture in my, I think it was my left leg that I had the stress fracture in. And um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was painful. And I, and I told my recruiter before I left, I said, is this going to be an issue? And he said, no, nah, just go. Just go there with the, with the injury and they'll, they'll sort you out when you're there, which they did because um, it was the first practice PT test that I did where I realized like something wasn't, going, wasn't working properly. I, I finished the run and I was just limping like really bad. And my MTI immediately came over to me and he just said, yeah, you got to go to the hospital. And I went over to the hospital, did the, the whole, you know, they did the tests. They said, yeah, it's a, it's a, it could develop into a stress fracture was what they were saying. So they um, basically put me on crutches. I was on crutches for, I believe it was from week one until week five, or it may have been week two until week five. But uh, yeah, so that happened. That was the biggest story of basic training was I was on crutches. But basic training was, it was hilarious in a way because there was a lot of yelling from the MTIs. I didn't get yelled at that much. It was only a couple of times I got yelled at. Um, but just kind of seeing MTIs like flip out and throw beds, flip beds, throwing stuff around and yelling at you in your face. It was, uh, it was an intimidating situation. And I actually wanted to leave after the first day or two of being there because uh, it was just such an uncomfortable situation, like I was saying. But it's just one of those things you had to get used to. And, um, you know, the, the scariest moment was when they were checking the, they check your locker on the, I think it's one of the first days, they check all the stuff that you bought with you just to make sure that you kind of, you don't have anything that shouldn't be there basically. And they're going like one person by at a time. And when they get to you, like I was shaking in my boots, I kid you not, I was so scared. And it's ridiculous. It's like, why are you so scared of a person or just multiple people? Like they're not going to do anything to you. And I'm pretty sure you know, if we did get into a fight, I think I could have taken some of those guys, but I don't know, I was just so scared. All right, so let's talk about tech school or technical training school, but tech school is the short version of it. Right, so you do your basic training and then you go to technical training school or tech school to learn your job essentially. So we had, you know, different people um, in, you know, in your flight and basic training, you have about 60 people, 30 to 60 people in there. And, um, you know, you'd, you'd go around uh, before tech school and just say, see who has similar jobs to you and who's going to the same tech school as you, because you'd essentially make, I don't want to say more effort with those people, but you'd make sure that you knew those people just to kind of make sure you had friends when you got to tech school. So Lackland Air Force Base, San Antonio, uh, went to San Angelo, Texas also in, uh, so it's like in the region of San Antonio, I think it was about a three hour drive away from there. And uh, so go to San Angelo, super small place for anyone who's listening who's been to San Angelo, you know what I'm talking about. But you go from Lackland, a huge base um, to, you know, the little tiny base there in, in, in San Angelo. And uh, it was essentially like you get a little more freedom, right? You don't have to – you still have to march to places and, and whatnot, but you don't – you can – basically there's, there's like a tier system. So you, when you get there at first, you're in the lowest tier where you have to 
you know, you still have to kind of make your bed and you have room inspections and whatnot. Because it's more of a college environment, but it is still a strict environment. So you get there. And at first, you have to go around in your military clothing. But after a while, I think it was called ATP, so something transition program. And uh, and eventually, after I think it was about one or two weeks, you'd get kind of that freedom to wear your own clothes and kind of walk around and, and not have to march everywhere sort of thing. And uh, so it was like a little transition and, and it was six months doing tech school and I, and I did uh, intelligence. And it was a lot um, that you had to do over those six months and, you know, going to school constantly early in the morning. I think we woke up at, I think it was five five o'clock in the morning and start marching all of us in a group at six or something some something along those lines maybe it was earlier but at least it wasn't 4 45 like it was in uh, in basic training but tech school was uh, was interesting i mean it was it was fun on the weekends but during the week it was a lot of intense work and and a lot was going on because to learn how to do intelligence is is a lot of a lot of work and um, requires a lot of clearances and a lot of like secret information and whatnot so we got our clearances we got our badges to get into school all that different stuff sometimes we had to come in on the weekends and it was it was a lot of work going on but um one thing in um, tech school was it was fun on the weekends and you met some different people again and I was dressing. I mean, I look at some of the old pictures of myself and I am just think, why was I dressing like that? But all of us were like, I got into hats back then. I, I hate wearing hats now. So I don't know what that was all about, but uh, it was a little kind of phase, I guess. But like I said, tech school is kind of it's more of a college environment now from what I've heard, because I obviously I went like 11 years ago now. So. But you, you know, you get to mix with the opposite sex again, which, of course, in uh, in basic training wasn't really the case. You know, if you got near, like as a guy, if I got near a girl, like I'd get yelled at if I got like within a certain distance of them. So, um, you know, you go to uh, tech school and it's a different environment, like everybody wants to you know, interact with the opposite sex and whatnot. And uh, you get a lot of tech school marriages coming out of that. So a lot of people meet their future uh, spouse there at tech school. And, you know, I know a lot of couple of people who got married to someone in tech school or are, you know, some cases people are still married to the person they met in tech school. So. Okay, so your first base is supposed to be a special base, right? Because it's the first assignment that you have it's the first base that you're at and it's a it's a big occasion so in tech school i found out what my base was and i actually found out with my friend as well and we both looked together and i got missouri whiteman air force base missouri and he got uh kansas i forget what the base is called uh, mcconnell is it uh, not mccord that's in washington but mcconnell i think it's called but yeah he gets that I get white men and we just kind of look at each other like, oh man, we got screwed because a lot of other people were getting like England and Korea and all these different bases. So I go, I'm on my way to Missouri. I graduate in January of 2012 and I'm going to Missouri and I'm thinking, okay, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's going to go on, but here we go. We're going. And I arrive in Missouri and it's, you know, get settled into the dorms, all that different stuff, meet everybody. And it's it's pretty intense there. It was pretty intense. I was briefing the commander within like a month of getting there. So it was just straight into the, you know, straight into the fire, if you will. And 
I think I did a good job basically while I was there. Uh, met some very smart people, some very uh, cool people, and uh, but it was a lot expected of you, and I knew that uh, going straight into intelligence. Um, you know, you know straight away there, learning that it's going to be intense. And we actually had this one uh, major, I'm not going to mention his name because, you know, who knows, he might listen to this, but I'm sh pretty sure he'll be able to gather that it's him if he did um, or anybody else who was there. But he was very, he was uh, a guy who basically didn't really care about morale. He was just like, do it this way, do it a certain way and get it done basically. And he was uh, he was not liked by a lot of people. I think he knew that. And uh, he would talk to us often and just kind of, we'd go through things, talk about things. But this guy was, I mean, he's gotta be one of the worst people I've ever met in my life, to be honest. But uh, he definitely made Missouri not so great. And another thing that made it not so great was the winters in the, in the, the Midwest for anyone who's lived there. Uh, winter in the Midwest is not fun. So um, I got introduced to freezing rain for the first time. I had no idea what freezing rain was, but I got introduced to that in Missouri. And that was not a good time. I mean, just a lot of snow in general. I think we got 10 in inches was the most I got uh, while I was there. Uh, it was 10 inches of snow and that came up to my knees. That was uh, definitely a different experience there. But uh, Missouri was, it was it was a good time, as I've, I'll say throughout. I mean, you'll you'll notice this is a theme throughout. Is it was a good time in a sense of meeting people and and being social and whatnot. But then it was a bad time as far as the work went and the people that I worked with and whatnot. So there was great people that I worked with in Missouri, but there was also very bad people. Um, the best time I had while I was in Missouri was doing the honor guard. Honor guard was incredible where, you know, you you dress up all nice, you do all the, the different kind of facing movements and whatnot, and you present the flag to, you know, someone who's had their family member who was in the military pass away and all that different stuff. You do funerals, you present colors, you do like different events. And that was a good time because... Literally, you'd come in to practice. I'd do a month on and then a month off. So a month doing that and then another month I'd go back to doing um, intelligence. And so it was a month on, month off scheme. And uh, it was basically, you know, you'd practice um, some days and then you'd do a detail. So you'd go wherever it was to do your detail and, you know, whether it's a funeral or whatever it is. And you'd do that and you'd basically be done for the day. So if you had one that was close by, it was always a good thing because you'd have basically the entire day to yourself. But sometimes you'd have to go somewhere that was like three hours away or like some places you'd have to stay the night there and then come back the next day. And it was... Uh, it was a lot sometimes, but it was a really great experience. Honor God was meeting the people that I did and, and doing what I did. While I was in Missouri, I got a chance to deploy, and I did six months in Qatar. That was from, I believe, December 2015 until July of 2016. So it was, uh, I mean, it was basically six months because I went at the end of uh, December, just after Christmas, unfortunately. I think it was two days after Christmas was when I left. So that kind of sucked. Um, I was I was dating this girl who eventually became my girlfriend as well at one point. So, um, yeah, so Qatar was actually, it was six months and it was the, the worst six months of my life, to be honest. Um, 
it was the easily the worst time of my Air Force career. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily want to say easily because Missouri was pretty bad, and I'll also talk about England later as well. That was pretty bad, but things about Qatar was you you do a deployment and you're you're alone basically. So you have to get used to an environment where you're completely shipped off to something completely new, which I know, you know, you're probably thinking, yeah, I should be used to by now, you know, went from England to a different country and all that different stuff. But Qatar was different because deployments, you just kind of ship your entire life off for six months and you have to, you know, prepare things back home for, you know, you being gone and you have to, you know, once you get towards the end of your deployment, you have to prepare to come back and, th- and things like that. So it was a it was a very difficult transition, and it was my first deployment. I actually had a second deployment, which I'll which I'll get into later as well. But this first one was difficult as well because of the people that I worked with. So I was one of the first people in my group. Um, so you know, working in in intelligence, I work in an office, and and I was working with about I want to say maybe five or six people. And I came in when the previous crew was still there, the previous crew of five or six people. And obviously they're keen to get out, but uh, they were still in pretty foul moods, to be honest. Um, one of the, one of the, I think she was a master sergeant. She was, she was pretty bad. She was, <laughs> she was a pretty nasty person. So, um, but the guy that I was transitioning, um, I was, you know, taking his place and whatnot. He's actually a guy that I worked with in Missouri, so it was nice to see him again. Um, he was very good as far as like getting me prepared for everything. And then as they transition out, my crew comes in, and I meet meet my crew. They seem like a good uh, group of people, and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be chilled out. This is going to be a good time. But as time went on and um, kind of got used to those different people, they uh, turned out to be some of some of the worst people I've met. Particularly my supervisor. He was. Uh, He's without question the worst supervisor I've ever had. And it's funny because when I left after, like, after six months, you're fed up. When it's your time to leave and you're finally out processing and all that stuff, it's like, yeah, finally I'm going. And it's funny because when I left, I mean, it's the happiest, literally, I kid you not, the happiest I've ever been in my entire life was leaving that place. Um, And I just didn't even say... um, he he took me to pick something up, I th- or he was going to take me to pick something up. But I I took um, either somebody took me in a vehicle, or I took a vehicle myself, and I just kind of left without him. And I remember passing him in the vehicle, and he just kind of shrugged at me. He was like, you know, what the heck? Why didn't you wait for me to drive you? And I just kind of and I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and just kept driving, and you know, got on the plane soon after that and left. So it was a good way to kind of leave it off with this guy because he just wasn't. He just wasn't a great person and he just wasn't a good supervisor and he really didn't he didn't treat me great. He took his bitterness out on me, which I can't stand in people when they project their bad feelings onto you. And that's what that's a lot of what that was with the airmen that I worked with and stuff like that. And I just felt very alone when I was out there and you know, um, I to to kind of get my mind past it, I would go to the gym and and I would um, I actually started volunteering at the chapel there on uh, on the base as well, and just kind of sorting through things. And um, you would get like a lot of free things, free books there. So I'd take books home, I'd read them and stuff like that. And I developed what's called mantras. I started learning about mantras and that, and I'd and I'd you know 
uh, say my mantras every day and uh, I pray every day and stuff like that because you just get very you get very spiritual when you're out there because you're alone and you have to kind of develop different skills so Qatar was it was a it was a bad time it was hot as well oh my goodness 120 um, 120 degrees full humidity it was so bad at night it would be 90 degrees like full humidity and it was actually worse than 120 during the day it was like really really bad okay let's move to some good times and talk about Korea so I leave Missouri finally by the way that was one of the happiest moments of my life as well talking about leaving Qatar it was surreal as well though because obviously I'd been in Missouri for five years but uh, I leave Missouri and I go to Korea, obviously a completely different country. And I'm thinking, what can I expect here? And, you know, get settled in, already meet some like decent people. But again, with Korea, you had to kind of be on a restricted sort of you couldn't drink the first two weeks, I think it was. But uh, after that, it was off to the races. I mean, Korea is very, it's a very social place. Anywhere you go overseas in the in the Air Force, from what I've learned, is, is going to be a social place. Um, so Korea was just crazy because I think it's because we were very, um, I guess, aware that maybe we could get attacked by North Korea. So I think everyone just wanted to have as much fun as possible. So that's pretty much what Korea was. Korea was just about having fun. It was just such a good time. There was the uh, two events, you know, the Super Bowl happened while we were over there. And um, that was a that was a great time. I mean, the time difference, I believe it was on at like six o'clock in the morning. Um, at least that was when people started. Maybe kickoff was, was later than that. But that happened. And then I remember the Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor fight happened as well. So that was a big occasion. But... Korea was interesting just because of the different culture, the different places you could go to. I traveled to Australia and Thailand and Japan and Malaysia while I was over there. So it was just such a it was such a good place. The job as well was just so rewarding, the intelligence job, because you felt like you were, you know, you're talking a lot about North Korea while you're there and kind of um, preparing people for for what the threat is and whatnot so it was just a very rewarding job over there which was why korea was such a good time and i just i met some of the best people I, honestly off the top of my head that i mean there's a couple of people i could be like we're the worst people i met but i think that's just a theme with anywhere there's going to be good people there's going to be bad people but korea was just socially it was just such a good time and i i really enjoyed it and the follow-on from korea of course was england so um, when I left Korea, I'm not going to lie, I was really happy because I thought I'm finally going to be around my uh, my family for the first time since since I've I've been in the Air Force. I mean, I thought, you know, I'd only gotten to go home about once a year. But now I'm thinking, OK, what would it be like? And I always thought, what would it be like to live in England, but also be in that American life? So live on an Air Force base or at least close to one and just be constantly surrounded by Americans. But I'm actually home as well. So I get to England and, you know, Korea, I couldn't drive at all. Um, you're not given a vehicle. And I get to England and obviously you drive on the left side over there. So that was a complete shock to the system. I never learned to drive when I grew up in England. So that was uh, interesting to finally drive on the on the roads consistently, at least not just be learning and stuff. Obviously, I learned, but I didn't like get my license while I was in England. So going to England, it was great. But England would have been potentially as bad as Qatar or Missouri if 
I wasn't surrounded by my family and friends and I couldn't turn to them every time I had, you know, stress or issues and whatnot. Because England was terrible. Again, I just worked with some of the worst people I've ever worked with. And although I made some really great friends and, um, you know, possibly you'll be able to hear some of them here on the podcast, but uh, it was just, it was a really awful time because some of the leadership there was just, it was really bad. It was like unforced or not needed stress basically there was a lot of people there who would just throw stressful situations and throw stressful things on you for no reason and and people saw no way of doing it in a you know a comfortable good way it was just always let's just do it in the worst possible way possible and just make it difficult for everyone so England was bad in in that sense and England ultimately proved my decision to to or at least led to my decision to separate from um, active duty air force and you know England also involved another deployment which was to Jordan and um, that was a good time and a bad time as well but uh, you know there's so much stuff I could go into with Jordan but it was yeah yeah it was a good time it was a bad time you know living in tents again having bad food just like just like Qatar basically was it just wasn't um wasn't the best in that aspect but it was a good time I got to go to Petra while I was out there so Jordan was Jordan was nice it was definitely obviously I'd never been to a place like that before so that was great so I separate and I moved back to Las Vegas which of course, was because of the fact that I was born in Vegas and a couple of other things with Las Vegas was I decided on UNLV because UNLV has a good, um, at least I'd heard that they have a good veteran community, which I now know they do, and Vegas in general just has a good veteran community and Nellis is here, so I felt like that was a good base to separate and uh, move to the reserves in. Um, Because obviously with active duty, it was just too stressful, Um, you know, to be so stressed over something that you don't even really care about that much. It's just not worth it. And the fact is I wanted more control over my life. So I decided to separate, move to Las Vegas, go to UNLV, get into journalism and media studies and basically just control my life and and go to where I want to go, which is being in you know the sports media realm if you will possibly radio um, maybe podcasting as well there's a couple of different aspects you know voiceover as well there's a a couple of different things where I thought maybe I could get involved with this maybe I could do something with this so my journey bringing me here is just simply to focus on myself and and to see where where I can go basically with this journalism journey and you know I'm excited to see where it can go Thank you for listening to the American Military Brit podcast. Be sure to tune in to these weekly podcasts to check out different perspectives from different military personnel. We're going to have some great guests coming in, so make sure to tune in to each episode every week. Every week.